The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. It sucks. I feel like my heart just got ripped out. We weren't supposed to be here by anybody's opinion, but we believed in each other and we got here. We fought and scratched and clawed uh, and somehow somehow got here. So obviously when you don't win at all, it's always a disappointing season, but this group can be proud of a lot that we did this year. We've said this a million times about how it's the same group. It's not like we've you know added a ton. It's a lot of the same guys and, and, and Brad and Dan have been very intentional about bringing in those type of guys who can who can handle moments like today and moments like last week and and ups and downs of a season and um, I think it's all been intentionally done by them and um, we're not here by accident. Baker Mayfield and then Jared Goff after yesterday's game. Buccaneers another example of a great story that has to end. A lot of great stories in the NFL season. Only one story has the happiest possible ending. But for the Buccaneers, a season of transition post Tom Brady. $35 million in dead money under the cap this year attributed to a guy who isn't even there. They win the division, they win a playoff game, and they give the Lions everything they can handle. Even though at the end of the day, the Lions covered somehow the six-and-a-half-point spread, it felt like the Bucks were in it to win it and to advance, and they fed off of everything. There was the shot of Baker Mayfield before the game, kind of like serenity now, eyes shut, taking it all in, living in the moment, going out there to fulfill his own destiny. And they they could have. It was a lot closer than I think a lot of people thought it was going to be. Yeah, that's right, right? You know, you know, I think you heard me last week a little bit, you know, Jason Garrett in the pregame, right? There were some things we saw on the Tampa Bay football team where he went, hey, they, they match up with the Detroit Lions. They not be, might not be as good, but there are some areas of strengths that matched up with the Lions' strengths where you went, okay, they're not going to take advantage of them there. And then, hey, the Lions in the secondary, they're not that great. And, whoa, the, you know, it's Baker Mayfield and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. They could throw the ball a little bit. They hung around and more than that, really, right? You know, again, I think it was one of those where we kind of hit on it at halftime 
where the Bucks drop some up op- or miss some opportunities early on to maybe be even a little bit more of a power position or at least have more or more pressure on the Lions. All right, you start off just early on. I talked to Baker Mayfield pregame. You know, he, hey, we're gonna I'm gonna kind of settle in. I want to let the team settle in. I don't want to let this crowd go crazy. I want us to kind of get a feel for the environment. Throws a nice ball over the middle. But Mike Evans is kind of late getting his hands up or whatever. Boom, interception. First negative thing. Oh, no. All right. Well, they, they kind of do okay and fight their way out of it. But as we know, and here it is, you'll see. You know, I, I don't know where Mike Evans' eyes were, but you'll see on the replay here, especially from the end zone version, yeah, he just gets his hands up late, and then it ends up knocking the ball in the air. And, yeah, big momentum swing, change, whatever, gets right onto Detroit's favor right off the bat let alone they got into the end zone, right? We saw not long after this where uh, Jamel Dean dropped an interception. That, I don't know. I mean, they had a chance to be a 103-yard interception return, let alone no points for the Lions, and they dropped that opportunity. So it was a great game. But Lion Grit, kneecap biting Dan Campbell, you know, proved to be stronger than the Buccaneers' success story once again. And it was cool to see a great atmosphere. And can't say enough about the Lions and what they're doing right now. When the Bucks tied it up just before halftime, 10 to 10, there was a shot of Dan Campbell, and I saw fear in his eyes. Yeah. First time ever. I saw kind of a look on his face of, holy crap, holy crap, we might lose this game. Yeah. Like, like, I haven't even envisioned that possibility. We might lose this game. And I don't mean fear because I don't think he's afraid of anything, you know, up to and including Satan himself. I think he'd, he'd, he'd try to bite his kneecap off if he has the grapes. But, but he, he, there was that look of, uh-oh, uh-oh. I did, didn't expect this today. And uh, that, you know, we've seen both Saturday and Sunday, and we'll eventually get to the Ravens game. The team that's favored goes into the locker room tied up, and it could go the other way. You could get tight. You know, you could you could fall apart. You could blow it, and they end up taking care of business on the back end. Yeah, took care of business on the back end. Really kind of stepped on the pedal there, right? Third, early fourth quarter. Took control of the football game. You know, defense made some stops. Jared Goff was phenomenal. They ripped off a few big runs, really, with Jameer Gibbs, right, in the second half. Got that going. Uh, but I think, it again, it, it, it's the Dan Campbell. It's the grit. It's the, the way they play football, right? In a matchup like this, a lot of the times, you know, it's like the Buccaneers had to play, change their style of play more than the Lions did. And, and when that happens more times than not, the team that has to change their style of play, right, uh, hey, every now and then you pull off the upset, but more times than not, you're getting away from what got you there and what made you who you are, and you're playing a different a game in which, wait, we don't normally play this. This isn't our normal way. And right, the, lot, the, the Bucks, they're a blitzing football team. It's Todd Bowles. It's Blitz Baby Blitz. It's Blitz Tampa Blitz. That's what they do. And I think you heard me in the pregame. I went, I don't know. If there's a game here where... They might go, hey, the old okey-doke curveball, we're not going to blitz because if you watch Detroit, you know how well they're coached, and you go, you blitz, they're going to pick it up and gash you. you know, they had to bend their style of play, and Detroit, it took them a little while to figure it out, but they did that, and they did it behind the arm of Jared Goff, who has embraced the kneecap biting edge that Dan Campbell brought to that football team, and I don't think it's benefited any more, anybody more than him. Tough, 
hangs in the pocket, just never shy with the trigger anymore. Oh, it, it's open by an inch, or I got to stand in there and throw the ball down the middle in the tight window, no problem. And I really give Jared Goff a lot of credit for turning around his career in a big, big way uh, and, and really just striking gold with what he's done there in Detroit. I mean, look, the Rams did not tie a first-round draft pick to get his contract off their books accidentally. There was a reason for it at the time. That's right. Three seasons later, and maybe that's what he needed. Maybe it's no different than when Chris Carter needed to get kicked I off. I hear the you. Agreed. You know, different circumstances, different reasons. Yeah. But sometimes you need that wake-up call, and that's why you see teams give guys chance after chance after chance after chance. It's why the Jets, I believe, kept hanging on to Zach Wilson. You don't want the guy to get the ultimate wake-up call and become the guy that he was destined to be for a team other than yours. You know, like, I'd rather he never reach his full potential if he has to go somewhere else to reach his full potential. I right. think that's the mindset for some of these teams. Yeah. Because we're going to look bad in the process. The Rams, even though they won the Super Bowl two years ago, they look like they were premature in their assessment that Goff is irrevocably broken that he can't be fixed that we're willing to give away two first round picks a third round pick and him to get a guy who is closer to the end of his career than the beginning and he's far closer to the end of his career than Jared Goff they could still have Goff for many more years and have used the two first round picks right third round pick now maybe that wouldn't have meant winning the Super Bowl in 2021 but if they could have done with Goff what the Lions have done with Goff, yep. maybe they'd be winning multiple Super Bowls over the course of this decade. And somebody texted me last night, the Lions should just pay Ben Johnson $12 million a year to be their offensive coordinator because the minute he leaves, it's all going to fall apart. I don't know that that's true, but that is one of the wrinkles here that Lions fans need to brace for because I'm sure that Ben Johnson had a lot to do with this resurrection of Jared Goff, you right. take him out of the mix. Is there going to be a regression next year? Yeah, that's right, and that—that's what we're going to see. You know, I think I, I lean on what you said. I think this is just what Jared Goff needed in his career to kind of like, you know, get him over a lull, get him over the hump. Right? I think Sean McVay and the Rams—they weren't wrong with their thoughts on what we saw. I mean, at his end of his tenure there with the Rams, they had. They had massaged and done everything to make him look good, right? And I think that's where, and that's where sometimes it's wrong because when you're the first pick of the draft, they roll out the red carpet and it's always like, oh, we got to make him look good. We got to do this for him. We got to do that for them. Detroit got him and Dan Campbell was like, we're going to run the ball, stand in the damn pocket and throw the damn ball. And we'll, we'll design a lot of plays like that around you because – you know, Jared Goff's not a backyard, I'm going to make plays, get on my shoulders type of guys like Mahomes is, but you get a little system around him, he'll get you in the right plays, he'll read the defense the right way, you can protect him and run the ball like we see, then he's good to go. And that's the formula I think they found, let alone that he knew like, wow, if I don't start to play a different way and start to be a little more aggressive, my ass is going to be in the back, a backup quarterback from here on out. So I better start, you know, b throws that I turned down with the Rams where I used to sit here with you and go, I mean, if it's not wide open and Sh Sean McVay doesn't deliver it on a silver platter, he can't make the play. That's not even close to what he is now. 
Now he's like, oh, he's open by three inches, a 100-mile-per-hour fastball. Bam, I'll throw it in there. And that's where he's different. And that's where you give Mark Brunel, the quarterback coach, a lot of credit, right? Ben Johnson, to your point, and a guy like Dan Campbell who hung there behind him and kind of groomed him into what he is right now. And now he's them, Mike. He's a jerk. He's tough, right? I go up to him before the game. Jared Goff doesn't like me, right? He's heard some of the things I've said. I love that he doesn't like me. And I love when he looks at me, he like looks at me kind of like, oh, you asshole, come over here and say hi. He doesn't really want to say hi to me. He said hi. I told him I respected that. I said, I like that you're shoving it back in people's like me's face. Good for you. Like, seriously. I'm like, God, I wish I would have been there. I was proud of him because I think a few of their assistant coaches were around, and I think they were a little taken back how, like, Jared didn't give me the time of day at first. And I was like, he doesn't like me. Like, he's – he never liked me. I said some things with the Rams, and I've seen him a few times, and I know he looks at me like, oh, you're an asshole. I don't like you. But I respect what the grit and the toughness and what he's done and shut up the haters and all of that. Big-time respect to Jared Goff for bouncing back and turning his career around in a major way. I think your overriding point is there used to be a kind of a hesitation by him to take what was there yes, quickly. right. Right. I think a little bit too long, and it goes back to the play. And, uh, yeah, Bowl right, 50. stuff like that, right. Brandon Cook's wide open the second time they ran the play. The second time he popped wide open. The yeah. first time, okay, you didn't see him. You threw it to Robert Woods instead. We still gained some yards. We would have had a touchdown if you'd thrown to Cooks. Second time around, after we talked about it for 25 minutes in the locker room at halftime, and he pops wide open, you got you to gotta see it faster. You got to throw it faster. He did both. Failed to do both. And Jason McCourty got over to intercept it, and that was that. That was their chance to win a championship. So, He's, he, if he shed that, then the Lions have gotten something they can build around. That's and right. the Rams did him a favor. The Rams did him a favor. Yeah. So I, I'm with you. Look, you know, it, it's great to see people change. We should, That's right. we should embrace that. Right. Whatever way, whether it's how they deal with others, how they deal with their job, whatever they do, it's growth, it's maturity, it's development, it's learning from your mistakes, it's committing to change, and it's an uplifting, inspiring story. And if it knocks down narratives – that we crafted five years ago that we just didn't feel like getting rid of because I love being able to say I was right when I was telling the Rams, you shouldn't extend this guy and give him a market level contract. And Sean McVay was stubborn about it. And I still remember him and Fred Rogan on doing an interview somewhere acting like I was a freaking idiot. I am for other reasons, but I was right about that. As long as the Rams were right about flushing the toilet on Goff. And now that it looks like they were wrong, well, okay, maybe they were right to give him the contract. They were just wrong to not be patient with him. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And a little bit of where their team was at, and they couldn't play the play-action, run-the-ball-at-will type of football game at that point, right? I mean, they went to the Super Bowl that year with Stafford with not a very good offensive line. They just made it happen with getting the ball out, checks, protection changes, all of that, right? So I don't think because they had gone in on draft picks and big free agents and stuff like that, I don't think they were capable of putting this kind of formula around them, right? The way Sean McVay and the Rams played this year, that would be more like we saw with the Lions. And you'd go, oh, Jared Goff would fit that now, definitely. And he can make it work. But either way, incredible job by him, incredible job by the Lions. And it's just, I think it's the Lions, you know, aggressiveness on both sides of the football, their fearlessness that's impressive to me. You know, even a game like yesterday, 
right? They know they're not a great defense. They understand that, but they're still they're going to take away one aspect. And even though the Bucks aren't a great running football team, for the most part, they were like, we're, we're you're, you know, we know you can throw it. We're not great in the secondary, but we're not going to let you throw it and run it. That's not going to happen because then it's just like Pandora's box is open and you can do whatever. So they still go, hey, we're going to stop the run. You're going to make some plays on us in the pass game. And then Aaron Glenn, he'll come up with a few tactical blitzes in a big moment to put pressure on you, and we'll make the big play because we're the kneecap and biting Detroit Lions. And that, that, to me, is what they did. You know, Even the last interception to end the football game, right? They got a few blitzes home on Baker Mayfield during the game where we were watching. We were like, damn, Baker didn't see that. Or they tricked their protection. And the interception at the end of the game by Baker Mayfield, again, was a great blitz, right, that caused chaos and confusion, and Baker Mayfield... You know, as he was getting hit, saw, hey, wait, he I think he's about to come open and just didn't lead him enough there. And it was a tight window, tough decision throw there in a desperate moment. And Barnes made a great play. But it was set up by Aaron Glenn dialing up the right blitz in the right moment to put pressure on the quarterback to make a quick, tough decision, people around him into a tight window. And that benefited the defense and the Detroit Lions and uh, big play to, to win the game right there. Baker Mayfield had a special season, great investment of $4 million by yep. the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They end up having to pay another $2.83 million or so in incentives. If my memory is correct, it probably isn't, but he earned a lot more money. And even at $7 million, it's a freaking bargain to get you to the final eight and to have the kind of season he had. Here's Baker Mayfield from after the game on what it would mean for him to be brought back next year as the start of the Buccaneers. I love this group. I said that all year, and it's that's authentic. I mean that. And so um, it would mean a lot for me to, to, to bring back a lot of key pieces to, to get this back together and um, to get it in year two in the system. That there, You can make huge strides. And so I would love that. Obviously, who knows how it's going to play out, but um, can't say enough about this organization for the opportunity they gave me this year. And so just thankful. And so uh, hoping, hoping it works out. So, look. They need to bring him back yeah. without question. I mean, they found something throw. here. Boom. I saw a report yesterday that the franchise tag is an option. Well, no shit, it's an option. Of course it's an option. <laughs> You're funny. I mean, yeah, if you don't work out a long-term deal with him, what are you going to do? Oh, go ahead and be a free agent and sign with somebody else. You use the franchise tag, and he's not going to complain. He's going to make $35 million as opposed to the $4 million he made last year. So, hell yeah, franchise tag's an option. So, whatever it is, it'd be better if they work out a long-term deal and stick with him. And let's see where this goes. That's he right. Finally, has 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 gotten himself in the right position to get the contract that he has long deserved. That, yes. the, they, the Buccaneers are close. You got a guy. Be happy with it. Baker Mayfield's a big time starting quarterback in the NFL. You know, he's never going to be top five or anything like that. But can he be anywhere from six to fifteen on a given year? Yeah, he can. His arm is big time. He makes game-changing throws. We saw that. You know, they were their backs were against the rope end of the first half. And oh, we're on our own. What were they on? Their own four or five yard line? I mean, he made some incredible throws, 92 yard drive, touchdown, boom, boom, boom. All of a sudden it's halftime. I mean, that's what a great quarterback can do. Let alone, you know, they believe in him. He fits them. He fits Todd Bowles. And they got a lot of young talent. Offensive line's got some young talent. Running back's pretty damn good. 
They got a few receivers that are younger coming up the ranks. They got to figure out what they're going to do with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. I got that. K. Dotton's a good tight end. You look at their defense and you go, damn. I mean, Vita Vea, who's about to hit the prime of his career, right? They they got uh, Yaya Diaby, young star. Kalijah Kansi, young star. Cheyenne Trianco's still young. I mean, Antoine Winfield's young. And they don't have $80 million in dead money next year. So Tampa Bay, you know, I don't think they're far off. And they have a good free agency and draft. They're going to be one of those teams that can build themselves to sustain and be in the, in the big picture here for, for years to come. One last thing before we break. There was a strange moment at the very end of the game where both teams engaged in clock management that would be shoddy even by Madden standards. Yeah, and it I think was. This is one of those examples where anybody that plays Madden is in a position to look at this and say, what the hell are you doing? The Lions taking their knees too early, not letting it wind all the way down, and the Bucks in a position where they could have taken a timeout with 36 seconds left on the clock forcing the Lions to do something on fourth down. Who knows what they would have done? Do you kick a field goal? Do you what do you do? I don't know, but there was an opportunity there and it would look, it's 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 beyond pulling a rabbit out of the hat, but you only have a chance to do it if you activate the opportunity to do it. So it was a bad look. Bad look for the Bucks. You you got to go down kicking and screaming. Where have we heard that before? We heard that when John Elway fired John Fox after losing in the, oh, wait, divisional round of the playoffs. You got to go out kicking and screaming, throwing everything you can at the opponent to try to win the game. I was just surprised by that. And and it's because that's not a mistake that NFL coaches should make on either side. Clock management should be automatic, especially in this age of analytics. There should be no guesswork. It should all be mathematical. That's the one area where, Chris, it's entirely mathematical. How do we engineer the end of game circumstance if you're the team with the lead to get out with zero, if you're the team losing to get the ball back with at least one second on the clock, and both teams fail? Yeah, well, Detroit, I think from last week, kind of you know, the drive before their last drive, I then kind of looked at it like, hey, we made some throws and some plays last week to close the game out. Let's do that again. That came to back to bite them in the butt because they lost some chances to maybe take some time off the clock. Yeah, the Todd Bowles ones, I hear you. I mean, what, what, what? I, I, I didn't do the math, but what would they have gotten the ball back if they had called a timeout right after that first play? Six, seven seconds, maybe something you like still that. Get it back. Yeah, you I still hear get you. It back. I hear you. I was shocked too. I was sitting there on the sideline just going, well, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised he's not going to at least just call the timeout. You know, you never know. They Maybe they fumbled the snap, whatever. Uh, I, I hear you there. but hey, hey, this is the team that was once coached by the guy who would send his defensive lineman into the knees of the offensive line on kneel downs to try to force a fumble. So, you know, at least they didn't do that, but. You do. I think you have to do everything in your power to try to get the ball back for whatever may happen. The band is on the field may happen. Who knows? But the chance of pulling victory out in those circumstances is zero if you don't at least try. And it just becomes glaring to the average fan that wants to see the team try everything it can to win. All right, we have to take a break. When we return, we continue our work backward before divisional round games. Saturday night. 49ers Packers and again if you don't know the outcome of that one where the hell have you been the last two days 49ers beat the Packers we'll talk about it next year on PFT Live 
Uh, Dre, I mean, just being able to play today, he's been battling here for these two weeks, um, trying to get back and get healthy for the game. And, um, I mean, he inspires the heck out of all of us, the way he runs, the way he hits. Um, for him to make those plays, catching the ball when they send both to him, he's really trying. I mean, we'll put him on offense if he really wants to run with the ball that bad. But uh, he, he could definitely get down a lot sooner. Oh, yeah, I was. Everybody was. Now, the good news is when Dre Greenlaw got that interception late in the game and ran with it for 12 seconds after he caught the ball, he at least got the clock under 40 where there was no way the Green Bay Packers could have gotten the ball back anyway. And how they didn't even take their two timeouts and force the multiple knee downs. They're, they're not getting the ball back. But Jaden Reed had a chance from behind near the end of that play coming in with the big, you know, we see that all the time where the guy has an opportunity from behind the ball carrier to swat it out, peanut punch it. And it didn't happen, but he would have been the go to goats. Oh, that, that, I, that was incredible. That was. If that, that ball comes out yeah. and the Packers win that game, that's that's all we're talking about. Dre Greenlaw did the dumbest thing we've ever seen by not just keeping his butt on the ground. I yeah, yeah I hear you. It wasn't even the dumbest thing on there. I don't who was the dummy that got in the front of the Fox camera as he was returning it and you couldn't <laughs> see it. That guy was the dumbest guy in that play. I know that. But either way, uh, incredible play, right? I mean, Dre Greenlaw has been he's been banged up most of the year and he continues to fight and he's got a bionic arm and brace on and everything. He's He's a soldier. That's 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 that 49ers defense. Big plays and big moments. That was a game there on Saturday night, right? We talk about it every year. That one seed, are they going to be ready? Are they going to be playing tip-top, their best type of football? The 49ers were not. The Packers played better. The Packers probably outplayed them. You know, had many opportunities to win. If there was a game there to be had or an upset this weekend, that was the one. It was there for Green Bay. Whether they dropped, you know, two interceptions, one looked like for sure pick six, the other one might have been two. You have that, right? And then Jordan Love, who played phenomenal down the stretch, third and 11, shallow cross. If he just throws the ball on the money on the first interception, the guy might get the first down. It's going to be close. Throws it behind him, high ball, tipped in the air, interception. Get the ball back, drive down, miss a field goal. Both of these mistakes led to 49ers points. You know, I don't think he's going to get the first down there. Either way, they're going to punt the ball, and the 49ers are going to be backed up. Instead, they get a short field field goal, I believe, here. And then, of course, the drive, or maybe I'm missing one drive. The Packers drive down and miss a field goal. So, you know, three out of their last four or five drives ended in disaster. Interception, missed field goal. They blew it at the end of the football game with a chance to upset the 49ers on the road. But the 49ers prevailed and it'll be Niners-Lions this weekend. That second interception, though, you know, for a guy who has looked so much like Aaron Rodgers Man. in the past couple of weeks, all of a sudden he looked like Brett Favre throwing the ball <laughs> across his body. I said that as soon as I saw I it. It's like, did. oh, my God, that's a Brett Favre moment. People right. are putting on social media the Brett Favre throw from the 2009 NFC Championship game across his body that Tracy Porter picked off and prompted Paul Allen to yell, this is not Detroit, this is the Super Bowl. I guess Detroit probably wouldn't appreciate that then or now. But his point was, because I always give him a hard time about it, his point was it's not some basic regular season game. We're trying to get to the Super Bowl here. You can't do that stuff. Jordan Love did it. Here he is after the game talking about that interception that sealed the victory for the 49ers. You know, play broke down. We're scrambling right. 
Um, saw Christian over the middle and, uh, you know, tried forcing one into him. Thought I could make the play. Um, didn't see the backside, so, you know, they made a great play. Yeah, I mean, I haven't looked at it yet. I haven't looked at any pictures, so, um, you know, looking back on it, yeah, throw it away. I, I don't know if I had an opportunity to be able to run, uh, maybe get out of bounds, but, um, you know, force it across the middle late, um, which is a mortal sin, and, uh, you know, it costs us. So, um, some I'll look at, but, you know, there's, that's an area right there where I'll be able to look at, grow from, and uh, get better in the future. I appreciate the candor. You're right. From Love. He, he manned and, and, up, says it the right way yeah. there. Yeah. Now, now, he couldn't have run. Nick Bosa yeah, right. was close. Right in him. his face, right. And, and even if he hadn't seen Dre Greenlaw on the backside. Fred Warner's going to pick Fred it. Warner was on the front side. <laughs> yeah, right, right, there were right. two guys covering Christian yeah. Watson. Yeah. Fred Warner was catching that ball right. if Dre Greenlaw didn't. Right. Agreed. It was, uh, he, he said it. He broke the mortal sin. Right? I mean, again, we know we've seen Mahomes and Josh Allen and Aaron Rodgers do this a little bit. Those are special guys and, you know, played a little bit more football before they started doing that kind of stuff in big moments. Uh, I mean, that was a really high-degree difficult throw. Uh, unfortunate. Unfortunate that it, it leaves Green Bay fans, Jordan Love, the Packers, the whole organization with a little bit of a bitter taste in their mouth. The way they rallied, you know, the first year without Aaron Rodgers – went through a lull and a down point of the season, battled out of that. He played really good football. They're a young football team that's got a lot to look forward to, certainly. But, yeah, this is one, I, even today, they're still sitting there sick to their stomach going, I mean, crap, we let one slide by. We had the Niners on the ropes. They were wobbly, and we were winding up to throw the big punch to knock them out, and we kept just missing the target there, and the 49ers hung in there. You know, luckily, not playing their best football. And if they if they play like that again this week, they won't win the, the NFC Championship. It'll be the Lions going to the Super Bowl. That's got to make it hurt even worse than just getting your ass kicked. Yeah, right. So you could have won, and you blew it. You shot yourself in the foot. You were the better team that day. You can tell yourself we were the better team. We should have won. We could have won. And we failed to do what we could have done. And then Packers-Lions, NFC Championship. Are you kidding me? That's the same script the Packers followed in 2010. When they beat the one seed on Saturday night, and then they go face a division rival in their building. Yeah. 14 years ago, it was the Bears, and now it would have been the Lions. And, and look, no, Aaron Rodgers wasn't the consensus best quarterback in football before that Super Bowl run. It was that run and the next season that had everybody say, hey, Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the NFL. Right. So – they need to forget about it. They need to flush it. And they need to move on. Understanding Jordan Love is still pretty good. Although, right. I don't know that God has made a quarterback that could have gotten that ball to Christian Watson. No, no. That was One insane. Time I see that play, like, it would have been the best throw we've ever seen. Agreed. That's you know, across right. your body. Right. Frozen rope. High he's enough. 35. He's it trying to throw the ball about 30 yards. Yeah, it's, it's about yeah. 30 yards he's trying to throw the ball. I mean, no question. That was one where even if you saw Mahomes or Allen or do it, you'd go, that's even a little crazy for you guys. Like, are you sure? Right? Uh, yeah, that was I, – I, I was shocked to see him make that throw in that moment. I really was. The game plan, the toughness the Packers showed, they did everything the right way. You know, offensively – and we know that's a good pa a good defensive unit there with the 49ers, right? I mean, he made some throws. They stayed patient with the run game. It wasn't easy. They finally broke one. The defensive game plan by Joe Barry I thought was phenomenal. 
right? I mean, you go back, you watch the game. It was five-man front. We're going to stop the run. They played deep coverage, and they said, we're not going to let Shanahan dial up all these crazy plays we watched on film preparing this game where McCaffrey's wide open down the sideline, Kittle's wide open down the middle. They do a fake here and a fake here, and Debo Samuel, nobody's in the screen. That, they made sure they didn't do that. They were going to stop the run, and then can Brock Purdy make big throws to beat our coverage? We're not going to let them have the ones where guys are getting hit on the run and they can run after the catch. And I thought that was a, a brilliant approach by the Packers. And I would think it's going to be somewhat similar to what we see the Lions do this weekend. Uh, the, the 49ers are very like big play oriented, right, Mike? And that's why we love watching them. And you see, oh, no, when you make them drive or work a little bit, uh, it, it's certainly not the same offense or, or scary at quite the same capacity. Just enough to make you wonder what happens when the Lions go to town this weekend. Also, the 49ers might not have Debo Samuel. He mm. suffered an injury to the same shoulder that he injured in Cleveland back at the start of the three-game losing streak that the 49ers endured before they really turned it around up until Christmas night when the Ravens did to the 49ers what I thought the 49ers would do to the Ravens. Speaking of the Ravens, when we return, they were on the ropes for a little while until they punched the Texans through. We'll talk about the first game from Divisional Round Weekend when PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there they are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. There's John Harbaugh doing his thing, dancing in the victorious locker room. The Ravens, who's got better than us? Nobody. We heard that at the start of the day. I don't know who that is. Oh, that's George Godsey right there. That was, you know, my boss uh, when I was with the New England Patriots. Look at that. Damn, he's got better moves than I thought he did. You think he learned those moves from Belichick? I did, absolutely not, but he is a great guy. He was a tight end <laughs> coach. Harbaugh. Look at Harbaugh. Oh, damn. They're getting <laughs> in it. Damn. <laughs> he's what the hell is oh that? I don't God. know what he – oh, damn, he's in the barn and he's riding the he's riding the bull there for a minute. I love it. I love that they're embracing the dance circle. That's amazing. 
Oh, it's incredible. That really oh, is. Oh, they're happy in Baltimore. They, they, <laughs> they should Texas. be. And, and, you know, again, it's the whole one seed that rested starters week 18, playing a team that had to win week 18 to get in the playoffs in the first place, and then won convincingly over the Cleveland Browns, was feeling good about themselves. And they get the Steven Sims. Yeah, punt return. For a touchdown. Right. It's 10 to 10. It's like, oh, oh, oh. And then here's where the air went out of the balloon for the Texans. They're driving 10-10 late in the first half. They get the 29-yard, I yeah, think it was. Yeah, the Nico Collins in cut. Collins. Right. And right. you're like, here we go. It's right. going to be 13-10 or 17-10 at the half. And then it's just like – the air just went out of the balloon. Yeah. The drive fell apart. Kaimi Fairbairn misses the field goal. It's 10-10 at the half. And whatever they said, and Lamar Jackson. A lot of four-letter words. That there were a lot of curse words in the locker room. And I want to bottle that and sell it. Forget that home gym he was selling last year. Remember we were seeing the videos of the home gym? Oh, yeah. That he was no, forget that. Bottle and sell whatever went on in that locker room. Because that worked. They get the touchdown on the first drive, and it just sets the tone. He ran the ball into the end zone, and it's just like, this is it. It's done. Yeah. They go right yeah. down the field. You get the 15-yard scramble, pull it into the end zone, and that's it. They never look back. Never. And, and, and it, it blew them off the field in the second half. So whatever, whatever happened in that locker room worked incredibly well. Great catch there from Isaiah Likely. He's been an incredible replacement to Mark Andrews down the stretch, living up to his potential that we saw last year. They just they they, they put him away. The Texans Texans thought they had a shot, and I just feel like it all went away in that moment at the end of the first half, and then the start of the second half, the Ravens just took it. Definitely deflating. Agreed with you there. Big moment of the game. You're right because the Texans were unexpectedly hanging around, and then some. The Ravens weren't playing their best ball. The Texans who don't blitz were blitzing a lot. It caught the Ravens by surprise. So I think they had a, a you know, it took them a little while to figure out how they were going to attack the, the Texans' defense. That was a little wrinkle I think they didn't see coming. So that was, you know, confused them. They got that right at halftime. The other side of the ball, right? Like, I mean, the first half was going on. I was going, wait. The, the Texans aren't really doing anything. Like, it's not like I'm like, oh, wow, I'm concerned. I was just like, I guess C.J. Stroud is him. I guess it is. He's just going to carve up everybody. I was just like, damn, he's going to move in the pocket and throw the ball down the sideline to the back and drop it in. He's going to throw to the tight end, tightly covered down the field, boom, nothing. I was just like, I, I, I mean, I, I was sitting there going, I guess there's just no defense that can defend this guy. He's just going to throw the ball on the money all the time. But – you know, like you said, the Nico Collins play, that was about all she wrote after that. The, the pass game for the Texans, the offense, everything. That's one I'm going to be excited to watch the film a little bit and see what the Ravens did on the defensive side of the ball to make things life or life hard on the Texans in the second half because they were smushed in the second half. They couldn't run the ball in the first half. At least they could throw a little ball, the ball in the, the first half. The second half, they couldn't do Jack Diddley squat. They couldn't protect. They couldn't get anybody open. There was nothing there to be had. And then Baltimore on the offensive side of the ball realized, hey, the Texans are blitzing on us. Let's come up with a little different game plan here. And they started to carve up the Texans' defense. And 
like you said, never looked back after that uh, missed field goal and, and showed why, hey, they're the Ravens. And when they're a little scared, I don't know what it is, like going into the halftime, the Ravens have an ability to turn up the notch a little bit and go, we have another level that we're capable of reaching that you're not. And we've seen that a few times all, you know, during the year, and it, it's impressive. And the AFC Championship game goes to Baltimore for the first time in 53 years. Wow. It was Raiders-Colts the last time Whoa. it happened. Of course, that would have been the game where the Colts won on the Jim O'Brien field goal over the Cowboys, Super Bowl five. five. Right. Five. Yes, it was five. Yeah. 16-13, Cowboys victory. Jim O'Brien wore number 88. Colts victory. Number 88. Right. Colts. Uh, but, uh, but anyway – the AFC Championship something the Ravens haven't been to since 2012 when they won the Super Bowl the last time over the 49ers. You know, if the 49ers win, we're going to get a rematch of either Super Bowl 47 or 54. If the Lions win, obviously it's the first time they've ever been to a Super Bowl. we got to take a break. The T says the Eagles make a coaching change. That's a nasty team. Wow. I didn't write it. That's a nasty <laughs> team. But they did make a coaching change. More PFT Live right after this. There he is. I think there's some shaving going on of the chest hair. Might be a I think little. there's some sort of shaving. It looks like there's some spots there in the middle that are clean. Right underneath the, the rest pectoral. Of the fur is displaced, right. yes. Right. He's, he's living his best life, living large. I have no idea what that picture is at the bottom. Is that a Monet? Manet? Tippy tippy day day? I, I don't know. I don't know. But that's, that's far too cultured for me and far too cultured for Jason Kelsey, who gets out there in the stands. Brave man. He's there rooting for the Chiefs. I wonder how many of those beers he Look drank. at him. Man, Look at that. Do you see how an athlete he is That's right why there? he's a professional athlete. <laughs> exactly. He looks like Bluto Look from at Animal his back. House. I know. Bluto couldn't do that. <laughs> it's amazing. Dad's boobs are showing. <laughs> <laughs> That's always the text that you want to see. Oh, oh man. Oh, boy. I love funny. it. I know. I, I know, you know, some people are sick of seeing all this. I mean, I, 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 I'm not. I, I love it. I really do. The show with the Kansas City Chiefs, it's so unlike the NFL and NFL teams. We don't want distractions. We don't need this. We don't want that. And what, your dog over there about to bite you? They just don't care. They're like, hey, any more superstars want to come? We need any more fanfare? I mean, I just I love I love the Chiefs and what they're doing, and I think it just adds to the excitement of the NFL overall. I'm down in our wine cellar today because we had a technical issue up in the studio. She'll never come up to the studio. She won't go up the steps. She does come to the wine cellar. Here he is. Come here. And and so we've already gotten so, – somebody complained because of the bottles behind me. It looks like I got two-liter – I do have a two-liter soda bottle back there. I didn't have time to clean up. It was an emergency relocation. Th- these are leftovers from, like – during the holidays when my son and his friends were hanging out down here. I thought you had a full-time yeah. live-in maid. What, what, that didn't what, – what, she's not picking up and doing her duties here? What's going on? I thought you're – this is Chateau de Florio. What, you, you think a we got staff. the Brady Bunch? I thought no. you had a full-time staff there. Butler. I'm, yeah, staff. I'm disappointed. <laughs> I'm surprised Macy came down here, but uh, where'd she go? She's gone now. Anyway, um, Jason Kelsey far from gone. Even if he retires, we're going to see him. You and I both think he's going to end up in the Amazon booth. I don't think that's crazy. He's going to be somewhere in media. And that's where, like, I feel some of this is a little bit of leaning into the opportunity 
things that you. are going to come his way. It looks organic. I think at some level it's a little calculated. But that's fine. It's working. Bottom line is it's working. It's fun. Football should be fun. He makes it fun. If you're that's not a Bills right. fan, it's fun. If you're a Bills fan last night, it wasn't a lot of fun. Yeah, no, that's right. Hey, they're young. They're in their prime. They're enjoying life to the fullest. And I'm not mad at them for that. You, know, you strike while the iron's hot. And the iron right now is, yeah, it's the Chiefs. It's Kelsey. It's Taylor Swift. It's Mahomes. You know, it's Jason Kelsey, tush push podcast, crazy guy. Looks like he fits in the Bills Mafia, except he's wearing a Chiefs, you know, a Chiefs hat. Uh, I, I think it, it really is. It's incredible. I, I, I can't get enough of it. I know I'm in the minority there, it sounds like. But when they show, I mean, Travis Kelsey scored a touchdown and gave love up to the box last night. I mean, you just don't see that stuff from football players and a football team. And it's just, uh, I, I think it's, it's kind of contagious. And I can't wait to watch it again on Sunday in Baltimore and see what those crazy people do again in that, that Chiefs box. Things are going better for the Kelseys than they are for the Eagles. We continue to wait for official word that Nick Sirianni will be back as head coach. I firmly believe the Eagles aren't going to make that announcement. Their attitude is functional organizations don't have to announce that the head coach is coming back after an 11-win season. The coach just comes back, which is kind of a slap at the Cowboys if the Eagles think that because the Cowboys made a big deal of announcing that Mike McCarthy's coming back. Sean Desai, the defensive coordinator, isn't coming back. That's no surprise. He had his play-calling duties taken away during the season so he's out matt patricia who took over the play calling duties has a contract that expired it was just a one-year contract he's out as well not a surprise either it wasn't a good fit it didn't go well they're going to be looking for a new defensive coordinator i assume they're going to be looking for a new offensive coordinator at some point chris sirianni's got to do his end of season press conference they definitely avoided doing it last week there was some snow they had meetings it didn't happen Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. I assume it'll happen at some point this week. Unless they fire him, no one has yet to say with 100% certainty Sirianni's coming back. Yeah. None of the reports over the weekend right. are 100% certain. I'm not 100% certain based on people I've talked to. There's always that little sliver of something, and that little sliver of something is the possibility Jeff Lurie, who owns the team, eventually says, I've been thinking about this for a week now. We got to make a change. I mean, it doesn't seem like he's out of the woods yet by, by what you're saying. And the, you know, people, you know, in the NFL, uh, I don't think any of this should be a surprise. I mean, we know the coordinators, both sides of the ball, things have got to change. It was less than this year, right? Sean Desai was not ready for the task. Uh, Matt Patricia was put in a horrible situation. No win situation, really. And, yeah, offensively, they were not the same team. And we saw a regression from Jalen Hurts, and the offense fell apart. So I would expect that, yeah, they're going to be in a treasure hunt here for the right coordinators that fit their football team. And that's you – know, I feel like this whole thing, I, I don't know what it is. Is it they didn't meet with Sirianni yet and have the conversations? They, 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 they did. Okay. Yeah. And because they're, trying they're, to, they're trying to line up new coordinators on both sides of the ball. But here's the problem, Chris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If these don't work, he's done. Definitely. You, you, can't, you can't whiff again right. on both coordinators right. the way they whiffed last year. So we'll see how that plays out in the coming days. We expect to hear from Sirianni this week unless something unexpected happens. When we return, what can we expect with Bill Belichick? He's got one team that has interviewed him so far. Will there be more? That's next year on PFT. 
Bill Belichick continues to be available to any team that might be interested in hiring him. So far, only one team has interviewed him, and that team has interviewed him twice, the Atlanta Falcons. But they've also interviewed Jim Harbaugh. They will interview Mike Vrabel. Now that the divisional round is over, the Falcons can and will interview candidates currently under contract with other teams in person. You can do it virtually before today. As of today, you can do it in person. To the extent that people believe that Bill Belichick is the no-brainer frontrunner for the Falcons, I'm told that they are still wide open, that they haven't zeroed in on anyone. They still have a lot of work to do. And this delay in the ability to do in-person interviews with coaches under contract with other teams has slowed the process down. Last time around, they hired Arthur Smith on January 15th. Here we are January 22, and they still aren't anywhere close to getting this done. Now, Chris, the other reality here for Belichick, I'm told there are teams thinking about making a run or interviewing him, but it's kind of like you have to be ready to even put your toe in that water. Yeah, it's like, big news. How's the fan base going to react? Right. How's the how's the media going to deal? Like, are we ready for this? Is this what we want to do? So, and of the teams, at least one currently has a vacancy at head coach, and at least one currently does not have a vacancy at head coach. I don't know who that is, but I do know that to be true. At least one has a vacancy, at least one doesn't, considering the possibility of interviewing and pursuing Bill Belichick. Yeah, listen, I'd be interested to to know who that is. But like you said, I think some of the ones we've gone, like, are are these guys out of the woods yet? This head coach, that head coach? And a year like this, nobody's out of the woods until Bill Belichick signs somewhere. And then Mike Vrabel probably too, because they're that, that damn good, right? I still look at Atlanta from everybody I know around the situation and think that's, you know, in the leader house, as a wise man once said, okay? But there's issues there. And, and of course you. there's yeah, and of course there's issues there, right? I mean, to me, again, you don't have to know people or know anybody to think, wait, Bill Belichick makes sense with Atlanta. A lot of the pieces are in place. We know they need the quarterback, but everything else pretty damn good. But we know this is Bill Belichick. He's the king of the castle. He's the king of the NFL, right? To me, what I would think that's holding things back there would be Rich McKay and maybe even the Terry Fontenot GM thing. Bill Belichick is probably looking at it going, I don't answer to anybody. I'm Bill Belichick, and I tell you what to do unless you own the team, and then we'll talk. But everybody else, I don't want anybody micromanaging me, looking over me, and I would think that's where the Rich McKay, Terry Fontenot thing come into play and why they had a second interview and why we haven't seen maybe you know much done there yet as far as the Falcons are concerned. The coach and the GM both report to Rich McKay. Yep. And from the Falcons' perspective, they don't see that being a problem. From Belichick's perspective, yeah. I can see that being a problem. Right. He spent 20-plus years reporting directly to – Robert Kraft, the owner of the Patriots. He's not going to want to have Rich McKay as his supervisor. He's not going to want to have to deal with Rich McKay, meet with Rich McKay, talk to Rich McKay, look at Rich McKay. Agreed. I'm in charge here. If you want me to come to Atlanta, I'm in charge here. Otherwise, I'm going to wait and see what else materializes. I don't know that anything will, but again, multiple teams thinking about it, whether they do it or not, we'll see in the coming days. Let's take a break. A little curveball came out yesterday as it relates to the Washington search. And that could get interesting in the coming days and weeks as well. We'll tell you what I'm talking about next year on PFT Live.
There's been a belief in league circles ever since Adam Peters became the new GM of the Washington Commanders. The next coach will be Ben Johnson, the Lions offensive coordinator. Now, the message you get when you talk to people with knowledge of the dynamics in Washington is that they are engaged in a more open search. They're talking to a lot of people. And it wasn't known until yesterday that they have interviewed offense coordinator Eric Bieniemy, who has completed his first year with the team. He's in limbo for now. They haven't fired him. He's still under contract. He was five years with the Kansas City Chiefs, has interviewed for the job. And my understanding is viable candidacy. First, people would react by saying, oh, it's a Rooney Rule interview. And I I hate how people so quickly do that. First of all, it's got to be external candidates for it to be Rooney Rule compliant. So that has nothing to do with it. This is the guy came in. He ran our offense. He's been a candidate to be a head coach for years. They gave him an interview. And... And he's a, he's a viable candidate for the job. Whether or not he gets it, we'll see. And it might not be the last one he's connected to during this current cycle. It well, might not be the last one. It shouldn't be. I mean, it shouldn't be. I mean, he proved his worth this year, right? I mean, we saw the Chiefs offense has looked one way for the first six years of Mahomes' career. This year, I mean, it's just to the last few weeks we're going, oh, the offense kind of finally found its way here. So, yeah, he deserves to be interviewed. But I'm with you. It feels like Ben Johnson in the bank there, and it makes sense. Adam Peters from 49ers. Shanahan runs the ball, play action. This is a similar type of guy. Let me say this on the way out the door. I don't know whether or not Andy Reid's going to retire when the season's over. I have said before, the Chiefs have reason to believe that yeah, he could. Right. If he does, who do you think Patrick Mahomes is going to be stumping for? Next head coach. Good who question. Be? Yeah. Maybe it's Eric Bieniemy. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. see ya. See you tomorrow. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com/slash activecash.